and welcome back to Favorite Things, uh, where once again, due to a lack of planning, we are doing another double feature, plus a bunch of other stuff that is all going to be crammed into one episode that I have no idea how long it'll be because I am mildly sleep deprived. Yes, you woke up super early this morning at 3.30. after going to bed late last yeah. night, so... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the best effort. I'm gonna give 100% of what I've got. That might only be 3% of my total, but we're gonna see what is in the hopper. Hey, Bobby, yeah, are you Bobby gonna come over and fuel me up? I think she said she wants to take over. Uh, I I cannot translate for Bobby. I apologize. Uh, so if she starts on a really long diatribe, just be assured that. <laughs> She is a Snyder Cut apologist, and even though we're not talking about that tonight, uh, she will be telling you all about it. Uh, so yeah, it's been a week of, I've got to be honest, just a ton of really good content out in the world, yeah. and uh, which is really great because there's also been a ton of heartache and pain and anger and all sorts of other stuff out in the world. Uh, in the past week alone, uh, a good number of friends and family are dealing with the loss of loved ones. And um, it's, a, it's a hard world out there. And so um, as you're close to your friends and family uh, going into this holiday season and in this holiday season... And maybe you're listening to this long after. Uh, God bless you. Um, just love on your family and friends. And even, even if you're not having a great time with them right now, just tell them you love them. Because yeah. you don't know if it's the last time. Yeah. So, uh, alright. Starting off on the <laughs> absolute wrong foot. Uh <laughs> Yeah, this week we're going to be talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man films. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about West Side Story. Yeah. And we're also going to be talking about uh, some various video game stuff and and things I've, I've taken in. I will try to keep it all straight and in some semblance of order. Uh, if you're just hanging around to listen to the... Uh, Marvel Spider-Man talk, it will be the back half of the episode. Yeah. So if you're not wanting to listen to any of the other stuff, just skip ahead, uh, as this will be a big buffet of all sorts of stuff that I enjoyed, but you may or may not. <laughs> so uh, let's go, let's start with West Side Story. We saw this last night. Yes. Uh, going over background of the film I have never seen the film or the performance uh, all the way through I've seen numbers from it a, a good number of times but most of them are from the front half of the film uh, the 1961 film and I had an understanding of the story Plus, I am very familiar with Romeo and Juliet, which is the inspiration for West Side Story. West Side Story basically being Romeo and Juliet in 1957, uh, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Heights. Yeah. Uh, so, what what did you think of this? Seeing seeing this. So I had no idea what the story was. I've mm -hmm. never seen the original movie, and I did not even know what the story was. Mm -hmm. So going into it, I know during the previews, I said something about, why are they showing all the sad previews on this one? Because I cried in no less than three of the previews. Yes. And your response was, well, it's a sad movie we're watching, or the movie yeah. has a sad ending. And I'm like, oh, so that was my first clue. So I, I, it, I told you weeks before you we went to did. see this thing that it was it that. had a downer ending. I do not recall that. But anyway, going into it, I thought I loved the music. It was great. The dancing and all that stuff. The actors were incredible. Um, as I'm 
thinking about and comprehending the story and all that. I'm coming around. Leaving last night, I know I said that I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I had a look on my face when the credits started rolling at the end. Mm -hmm. Just because I had no idea, like, for what I just saw, I'm like, I was trying to process it. And then, Yes. But now that I've had time to sit back and process it and think about it, I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. Um, yes, it has a sad ending, but it's it was a really good movie. Very well done, very well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cats are fighting, so sorry about the pissing in the background. Yep. Um, yeah, I liked it. And I like your... Uh, you texted me earlier today with a... Is it a hypothesis? Is that a right word? A, a theory. A and, theory. And I'll talk about that in just yeah. a minute. So, uh, like... Like I said a moment ago, I I'd never seen the musical uh, from beginning to end. Um, a lot of musicals uh, allude to it. It is um, an early Stephen Sondheim. It's his first uh, lyrical uh, Broadway play. Broadway play, um, and I've seen a lot of his other work. I've seen Into the Woods. I've seen Sweeney Todd. Um, I've seen uh, one or two other uh, Sondheim. And if you look at each and every one of those, they're kind of melancholy musicals. Mm -hmm. And so this was very much a melancholy musical. And I, there is something in my nature that appreciates melancholy media. Um, I don't know why. Uh, the fact that I deal with depression and enjoy melancholy things might play with each other. I, I don't know. I do know that I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, the thing that drew me to it, in addition to being a big screen um, musical, was the fact that this is Steven Spielberg directing it. Yeah. Um, and this, for us, this year kind of completes a trilogy of musicals set in New York City. New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first being In the Heights, uh, the second being Tick, Tick, Boom, and then the third being West Side Story. Yeah. Now, all of these are marginally connected. Um, uh, in Tick, Tick, Boom... Uh, West Side Story and Stephen Sondheim are referred to uh, by name, both, uh, including a few lyrics from songs within the music itself. Um, and the theory I popped up today, I actually did a brief Google search after. Uh, I'm not the first person to think of. Oh. Uh, so my theory today... Uh, is that uh, In the Heights is a sequel to West Side Story. Some people have called it a spiritual sequel. Um, But for me, in headcanon, as we've referred to before, this is my explanation for things that it fills in the gaps and makes it better for me. Uh, is that it is a sequel to uh, West Side Story. If you have not seen West Side Story and you're wanting to go in blind to the plots, um, fast forward about three to five minutes um, and I will let you know how far back uh, you need to go. Uh, I will check in in three minutes and in five minutes. Um, So... (laughs) If you're still with us, you're okay being spoiled. So at the end of the play, uh, Maria survives and Tony does not. Um, And as opposed to the traditional Romeo and Juliet where both lovers die, at the end of this, Maria lives. Um, My theory and how this ties into um, the story is that Maria... After her lover, Tony, dies, she's done uh, romantically and instead decides that she needs to give love, but it needs to be the love of building up 
her neighborhood and building up a, a love of the people around her. And so my theory is that Maria becomes uh, the neighborhood abuela in uh, in the Heights. Yeah. Uh, and she takes care of all of these uh, families in the neighborhood while working as an immigrant cleaner. Um, I'm sure there's details in, in the Heights that erase this headcanon from actually being something that works. Guys, that's totally fine. This is just for me making a connection between the two and trying to redeem some of the sadness in Maria's story. Yeah. Um, in in this movie, uh, which also stars Rita Moreno, I believe Rita Moreno is the uh, hairdresser, uh, owner of the salon in, in the Heights. Um, she plays a new character who is... Uh, brought in to be a replacement for the doc character from the 1961 musical. Uh, so my, my theory plays out primarily that it was a continuous story and that the redemption from West side story plays out into, in the Heights. And it's not, uh, it's not necessarily, the fixing of the broken down neighborhood. It's not the um, bringing together of white and Hispanic, but it's the, it's the acceptance of, of who her people are and loving them and taking care of them and learning to move on from grief. And so that's my theory is, is that's how it all ties together. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right, and if you skipped ahead three minutes, uh, congratulations! You have missed all of the spoilers. Uh, if you're if you're someone who is hopping back from five, we have moved on. Um, so, yeah. I really enjoyed the musical. I I loved it. I actually now want to go back and watch the 1961 film version and see how it differs. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the direction uh, and the cinematography. Uh, Spielberg uses a lot of modern techniques, but he's using it on a musical written in the late 50s. Yeah. And so what I keep telling people today as I'm describing the film is it feels like Steven Spielberg got a time machine and got to take equipment and direction from today back to the 60s and make yeah. West Side Story. And it it plays out that it it because it is the old musical, but with just enough change. Uh, the change of actually hiring Hispanic actors. Um, there were very few Hispanic actors, as I recall, who were actually hired for West Side Story. Um, go ahead. Well, oh, I was just gonna say, as far as how it is connect, you know. Um, without me ever seeing the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I was chatting with somebody on my Weight Watchers group uh, today who went and saw it last night and everything. And I, I had mentioned how I went and saw it and I was still kind of trying to figure out because I didn't know anything about the story. And her, she said that um, that it is almost exactly like scene for scene, the exact same as the original. Mm-hmm. But... But she was like, going, oh, man, you went into this without knowing. She's like, that must have been a surprise ending for you. <clears throat> so I I loved it. Uh, yeah, and it was really good. I I'll, just had to process it. I'll, I'll leave it at that. It is a classic. It is considered a classic musical. It is very much a Stephen Sondheim musical. If you're in, you're in. If you're not, you're not. If, if you like the 1961 musical, as you're describing, it sounds like you'll like this one. Yeah. And if you if you didn't, you're not going to yeah. like this yeah. one. And I will say, as far as him being the same person that wrote Into the Woods, yes, I'm like, I absolutely hated that one. And I like the first half of Into the Woods. But once you get to the second act... No. I think I think if you went in with a more open mind, <laughs> you might appreciate it more now. I don't because know. Because it was almost seven years ago that we saw that. Mm. We were going through a lot at the time. We were. But also, you were in a different place of what 
you watch. I don't think that you would have come to the end of thinking about the movie we saw last night and say, I really enjoyed that. If you're coming in from five minutes, uh, yeah, we're well past spoilers. Few and a hop back uh, about to, to three minutes, which is two minutes back. We're, yeah. we're just chatting it up. And if you want to yeah. skip that, we don't really talk about anything too important. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great musical. Yeah. And, and I see what all of the hype for all the years is, has been about. I am glad that this is the version I saw first. So I went in from a film perspective, not having the expectation. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching the old one with the understanding that it is the older product. So it will have drawbacks and things like that. So, yep, that, we enjoyed it. We yeah. really enjoyed it. Uh, West Side Story is... It's a great musical. Uh, End of the Woods. We'll see. You yeah. might be interested in revisiting it. You might not. It's it's a similarly structured musical of front end, very light and bright. Back end, you deal with the consequences. Yeah. And that's Sondheim. Just... Uh, Sweeney Todd, the the front half, it starts dark, gets brighter, gets real dark, <laughs> and ends the most dark. Yeah, I don't think I'd like that one. Oh, you wouldn't. It's <laughs> it is a it is a the Johnny Depp film is a hard R film. Yeah. Um, I would love to go see the stage musical, um, because instead of blood, they use red scarfs. So, yeah, that's, that's intriguing to me. Um, in most stagings, I'm sure there's somewhere they actually use blood, um, fake blood. Uh, but no, I, we've been on a musical kick this year and I've really enjoyed it. I, I'm actually wanting to go back and revisit all the musicals of the past year. Um, Hamilton, uh, in the Heights, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. West Side Story again, and I'm wanting to revisit others like uh, The Music Man, uh, which opens in 10 days uh-huh. uh, from the recording of this podcast. Uh, I love The Music Man. Uh, Hugh Jackman is leading a revival of The Music Man on Broadway, and if you're planning on going, uh, plan on dropping a pretty penny. Tickets are like six and $700. Yeah, uh, we priced them. So we priced a we priced a trip and we are not gonna make it. Uh, at least not at least not this, uh, this the the next six months. But I know your your response was it's less than our Disney trip, but more than our Charleston vacation for just yeah. a weekend. Yes, but which would be awesome. But yeah, we have medical all, bills. I medical bills and all sorts of other stuff it, I'm not worried about it I've got to be honest it's it's one of those experiences I look forward to doing yeah. but at the same time God's been good to us we've yes. we've got all more entertainment than we can ever possibly consume we've got we've got the ability to walk and enjoy the world around us we've got wonderful food and family and friends and we have more benefit than we could ever enjoy in one lifetime. And we are really and truly blessed. And I'm grateful for yeah. all of it. But all right, that's that's enough schmaltzy stuff. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take a brief break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about uh, the tech and video game uh, news of the past 24 hours with the game awards and stuff that spun out of that. Uh, plus a couple of video game launches. And after that, we will be talking about Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I hope you'll stick around. Okay. Now we're back. This will easily be our shortest segment. Um, but briefly going to touch on uh, the gaming and tech news of the past 24 hours. Uh, so first of all, the newest Halo game, Halo Infinite, has launched 
and if you have Game Pass and a mobile phone with a decent internet connection, or an Xbox One, or an Xbox Series console, congratulations, you've got access. <laughs> uh, also, if you've got a decent gaming PC uh, with Game Pass, you've got access. Um, so, uh, long version short, uh, I really enjoy it. It's yeah. more Halo. It's really good. Plays great. Sounds great. Looks great. Having a good time. <laughs> I am not very far in at all. I have nothing further to say beyond having a great time so far. <laughs> Looking forward to doing it more. How uh, have you been playing it? So, this morning? It, yesterday morning uh, and today. Okay. A little bit on Wednesday night. Okay. Um, not not much at all uh because we do other stuff we watch tv we yeah. watch movies we talk we go out we go to work i have a full-time job yes you do um so haven't gotten a, a ton of time in i think a grand total of about three to four hours okay. uh and it's good it i've said that it's yeah. i'm invested i'm going to finish it that's where i stand right now uh it's basically all the things i enjoy about far cry as far as freedom of how you approach uh gameplay and the things i like about halo which is environmental storytelling and sci-fi and gunplay all works really well i'm enjoying it so moving on from that uh last night was the game awards uh not a ton that I was invested in uh, as far as hoping something would win. The one game that won that I am very appreciative it won its award was uh, Marvel's The Guardians of the Galaxy won Best Art Direction. I don't know if it deserved that, but awesome. Uh, and uh, Best Narrative. And if you haven't played Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and you're curious at all, has a really really great story it is separate from the movies it is its own thing and it is probably my favorite thing this year that i've watched marvel do even rewatch. uh so it is it is worth visiting if you haven't uh it's on sale right now uh on most digital retailers um and if you're not into video games it's cool move on um <laughs> And then the last things are announcements I'm excited about that rolled out of last night. Uh, we're getting a Wonder Woman video game uh, from Monolith, the company that made the uh, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War games. Uh, we're getting a Star Trek game uh, that's kind of an adventure, choose your own adventure type game. Uh, we're getting an Expanse game that's a similar idea. Uh, all of those are IPs that I really like, and I'm looking forward to seeing what is done with them. Uh, the next thing that was really cool that rolled out, uh, I actually posted on my Instagram this morning and uh, showed Betsy in person this afternoon, and that is The Matrix Awakens. And what this is, for people who don't actively dig into every piece of video game news or necessarily even movie news, this is an interactive tech demo of Unreal Engine 5. Unreal Engine is a collection of technologies uh, that create the graphical look of modern video games. This includes everything from how characters look, how they move, how they behave, um, how physics work in the in the game world, um, and the most recent demonstration through The Matrix Awakens. There are moments where it is difficult to tell the digital Keanu Reeves from the real Keanu Reeves, mm -hmm. and you see both in this tech demo. Yeah, he, he was walking along talking and everything, and all of a sudden you say, yeah, that's not really him. And I was like, is he, like, 
what do you mean? It's like a stand-in? You're like, no. It's a model. It's an uh, avatar. I was like, yes. no, that's, that's not true. <laughs> so the new technology is able to gather assets incredibly quickly and then put them in the game just as quickly. Once they are built and in the game, they're able to be duplicated almost instantaneously. And the hardware that runs this software is so powerful that it can create and maintain an entire city complete with independently operating vehicles, persons, light, light types, particle effects, all of this. The demo, which, or the tech demo, which clocks in at around, right around 30 gigabytes of space on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series consoles, is impressive. Uh, it starts out as a video and you're like, oh, this is a cool video showing me uh, about how good this looks. Except then the video turns into a video game and you are playing an action scene that looks like it was something filmed for the matrix yeah. and then after the action scene you are set loose in a city the size of greater downtown los angeles and cars are moving about people are moving about you are free to move wherever you'd like in the city. You are able to change the light. You are able to play with things. And it is incredible. It is frightening how realistic it looks. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm excited by what can happen with that tech. I am terrified by what can happen with that tech. Literally, in the wrong hands, you cannot believe what you see with your own eyes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, be on the lookout for that, question mark. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, if you have access to videos of this, you can watch it online. Uh, the Matrix Awakens. Um, really impressive stuff. Really scary stuff. Um, but I'm excited for what the technology can do. I'm excited for even... The fact that this was tied to a major IP like The Matrix, uh, which I will be seeing on December 22nd, um, is incredible. I'm, I'm looking forward to the possibility that this might mean we're going to get more Matrix video games. Yeah. And so here's hoping. So outside of that... It's just been a great day for video game news and, and weird stuff. Stuff that's not Activision being jerks and how they handle stuff. Although that's been there too. And if you look for it, you'll find it. But we're not the bad newscast. We're yeah. the favorite things podcast. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. Leading into next week's episode where we're going to round out the trilogy by John Watts. Uh, talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. So stick around for a couple minutes and we will talk to you all about Tom Holland's Spider-Man Adventures.
All right, this is the reason I'm guessing you're here. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Spider-Man is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe after it only took eight years and a bunch of backroom dealing, but uh, in 2016, uh, in the film Captain America Civil War, Tom Holland joined the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Spider-Man. So before watching the two John Watts films, I watched uh, just the Spider-Man scenes of Captain America Civil War. And I want to say, I first of all, Tom Holland is fantastic. He's not my favorite Spider-Man, but he's fantastic as Spider-Man. Uh, Andrew Garfield still holds the soft spot in my in my head and in my heart uh, as as Spider-Man. Um, but Tom Holland is really really good, and to me, he's just another great version of Spider-Man. Um, he reminds me a lot more of the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon uh, from around 2008-2009. Um, only ran two seasons, but it's really, really good. Um, I think it's free to watch on on one of the streaming services. Um, but it's, it's a great cartoon. Um, and Tom Holland is great in this role. The casting around the two films we're going to talk about is really, really good. Um, the one drawback, and this is the big negative I'm going to throw at these films, and please hear me, this is this is a mixed bag, but for me on this watch-through, it, it was a drawback and a negative. The fact that Spider-Man Homecoming is the 16th Marvel Cinematic Universe movie or 17th somewhere in there uh, it's got a lot of lead in and then a lot of space and things that happen between it and its sequel mm -hmm. and if you're just watching Spider-Man movies there's a lot you miss out yeah. on I mean even like when you turned it on the other day I was like feeling like I was missing something, but mm -hmm. I didn't watch it with you when you watched the Civil War. So, it's... There are good things and there are bad things about this, but I don't even know that they're bad things. They're definite choices. And one of the great choices that they made uh, in the Tom Holland Spider-Man films is they did not do an origin story for him. Yeah, that, and, that kind of left me feeling like, wait a minute. <laughs> so the reason for that is because within the space of, at that point, 14 years, they had already had two Spider-Man yeah. origin stories. And both of those are at least good. Yeah. Um, I, I think one is significantly better than the other, but there are people who disagree with me on which one is which. Not going to get into yeah. that. What I'm going to say, though, is you have two really interesting, different, but still good ways that you go over how Peter Parker gets his powers. And doing that again would have been too much. Yeah. And so this is kind of a, a two sides of a coin, a good side and a bad side. They decided they were going to throw you in as if you bought the second issue of the comic book, or maybe you bought Amazing Spider-Man number one instead of Amazing Fantasy 15. So what you're getting is he's Spider-Man, he's got powers, he's fighting crime, that's it. Yeah. And so uh, there's some of that that works. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, by and large, is, is a pretty decent standalone movie. Um, when it comes to a lot of the bigger picture stuff... Where that falls apart is everything involving Iron Man and Tony yeah. Stark. Um, just because it feels it feels like an appendage from another movie. And, and it is. It, yeah. It's an appendage from Captain America Civil War, which in and of itself is a sequel to several other movies. Yeah. And all of these movies are good, but until you get to the solo films that contain an origin story and are relatively self-contained, 
they're also tied together that if you start pulling them apart, it starts to unravel to the point where it's really hard to hold on to it as a movie. And we're really watching a really, really, really long, good TV show. Yeah. And, and I think that's simultaneously the greatest strength and the greatest weakness of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is it is so intricate, intricately connected that if you miss something, you're lost. And you, at the very least, need to look up a Wikipedia page or something to get caught up. Yeah. Um, again, as a fan of comic books, I've been used to this for a while. If you want to understand everything that happened in a crossover event, you'd better buy all six comic books plus the side issues that relate to it. <laughs> or buy the big hardback omnibus. Yeah. Um, but... That's that's these movies. I I watched Captain America: Civil War, watched Spider-Man: Homecoming. I didn't rewatch uh, Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame just because I've watched those probably the most of the Avengers films. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very familiar with those. I mean, heck, we did an hour and a half episode on Endgame in 2019 when it came out. So if you need a recap on the basics of Infinity War and Endgame, you can go look at that. It's one of our earliest episodes. Yeah. Um, Wasn't but, that like three hours long? An hour and a half. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's... We, I don't believe we've gone quite to three hours okay. yet. Um, I was trying to remember. I was like... Eh. Uh, uh, I really don't... I, it was long. I would like to keep these to the length of the movie or less, yeah. if at all possible. I like long podcasts. Lord knows I've listened to Kind of Funny's uh, DCEU in review, and they are all longer than the movies and a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not going to do that. As yeah. a matter of fact, tonight, for the sake of my brain and keeping the rambling to a minimum, I'm not going to do a lot of plot recap just because I'm tired. I'm running on very little yeah. sleep. And these are literally the biggest money earners for the Marvel Cinematic Universe as standalone films that aren't team films. Spider-Man is the biggest character from Marvel Comics. There's a reason Sony's still holding on to the film rights with a death grip. <laughs> um, so uh, Captain America Civil War briefly... Just recapping what happens in that film. Tony needs an extra team member for his purposes. Finds this kid who's been operating solo as a superhero with a homemade costume. Recruits him. Gives him a high-tech costume. <laughs> takes him to the fight. Kid does great. Tells him, alright, you're going to lay low for a bit. That leads right into Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. We get Peter Parker high school student and friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. The thing I love about Spider-Man Homecoming is the scale. Everything is scaled back. Spider-Man is now not the only superhero in New York City, so he operates primarily out of Queens. He's literally stopping bike snatchers, yeah. and he's stopping the robbery of an ATM. He's the biggest building he's on is like five, six stories. Uh, and then he's always calling the Avengers trying to see, Hey, do they need my help? Hey, do they need my help? Hey, do they need yeah. my help? And he's a kid and it's, it's drilled into you from the beginning that Peter Parker is a kid trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, he's got a crush on an upperclassman and a, a, a crush that is reciprocated. And then he totally blows it, which is my favorite trope of uh, Spider-Man uh, mythology. And what I love about Spider-Man Homecoming is that unlike a lot of other Spider-Man films, Peter really doesn't get the girl. 
I mean, he really doesn't get the girl. He gets to go to homecoming and then bails immediately. <laughs> and his, him having a best friend in Ned uh, is fantastic. It gives him someone to talk to and not just talk to himself. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that Gwen was uh, Peter's... Uh, confidant as well as being his love in the amazing Spider-Man films. Uh, Ned gets to be his best friend and confidant. Um, And another great choice is at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming, his Aunt May walks in and finds him in the costume. And that's how Spider-Man Homecoming ends. And I would have loved to have seen more fallout from that, but there's never at least in film, any real fallout from yeah. that. Like, she's just starting to yell at him when it cuts. Like, oh yeah, she's about to say Marvel's first uh, F-bomb. Yeah. They cut it right when I get there. Yes. Um, but, I, I really enjoy it. I, I think, as far as the quality of filmmaking, it, Spider-Man Homecoming is quite possibly the best Spider-Man film live action that we've gotten into the spider verse is still hands down the best (laughs) hands down um but spider-man homecoming is really good uh the cast is amazing michael keaton as the vulture come on you've got the guy who was batman and then birdman and now he's he's the vulture and Michael Keaton just is so magnetic and he is equal parts comic and menacing through the whole film and he's just entirely watchable and to the point where I just want more Michael Keaton vehicles where he can just run with it. Uh, I remember us watching The Founder a couple years ago and The Founder, he is such a nuanced creep as Ray Kroc, who apparently was not a nice person. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you enjoy your McDonald's. The guy who made it what it is today was not a nice guy. Um, and Michael Keaton just, he somehow takes this guy who is a full-on villain and makes him relatable, which is a task. Bokeem Woodbine as the second shocker. Uh, first of all, I'm I'm a big Bokeem Woodbine fan. Anytime I see him in anything, whether it's Fargo or in Ghostbusters Afterlife or in Spider-Man Homecoming or the most recent trailer for the Halo TV show, I am super excited. I am, I see him in something and I'm like, this is going to be at least good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it felt like a Spider-Man comic book. Um, and again, as I said before, double-edged sword, the good and the bad of that. Yeah. Um, I, I love that it escalates. It escalates really well. I love that, uh, Peter at roughly two thirds of the way through the movie fails badly, gets all of his privilege stripped away and has to fight with his bare minimum, his old homemade costume. And it really works for me. It, it works really, really well. And that's just the superheroing side, the, the comedy of a high school dance and high school politics and high school relationships and how much you're into someone one day and then they're gone and how similar that is to almost every high school crush or romance that you experience. Something I wish I would have known in junior high and high school is a majority of people who date in high school don't end up together. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people 
especially when they're in high school, don't think about. The person you're into is the person you're going to be with forever. And I love the way the movie plays with that. And it, it's just really enjoyable. It's, it's a great time. It's a, it's a good mix. Honestly, I, I have not seen a Marvel Cinematic Universe film that I haven't enjoyed. The only caveat I'll give anyone listening to this in regards to Spider-Man, if you're not going to watch the other bajillion Marvel properties in order, um, just uh, caveat emptor, uh, buyer beware. You you are going to miss things. You are not going to understand references. You will get the big picture, but you're not going to get everything. And on this rewatch, Spider-Man Homecoming, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Uh, watching the, the few scenes from Civil War. It's a grand total of about 10 minutes. The next film is a different story. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. And did I enjoy it? Yeah. Did I enjoy it as much as... Spider-Man Homecoming. Well, not quite, but close. So we'll be right back. So Spider-Man Far From Home. And right now... There are some of you who've been following us through the past few weeks and you are screaming at your phone. And I recommend you don't do that because, first of all, it's a phone. Um, And secondly, uh, guys, there are people who are dissecting the Marvel Cinematic Universe day by day and they are doing amazing work. I point to them if not every week, then every couple of weeks, the kind of funny in review crew go listen to their stuff and they dissect the fire out of these movies. (laughs) Um, but for me, uh, it's been a long week. It's also, these are the two probably best made, but simultaneously, they had the least impact on me, Spider-Man movies. In my list of favorite versus least favorite, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home lands squarely in the middle. Uh, Homecoming comes in, I think, at three or four. Um, they're, they're good. They just don't hit me right now. Um, and that might be where I'm at. It might be the fact that we just crossed over 30 Marvel Cinematic Universe properties. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, but Far From Home, I was dreading watching this afternoon yeah. uh, when I got home. I, I even told you up yeah. front. I was like, I'm not looking forward to this. You're trying to like, let's just get this over with. Yes. And I, I have to be honest. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting, but still, it it doesn't hit me the way that Into the Spider-Verse or Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 hit, um, whereas all three of the previous films that I just mentioned, they have an arc and is individual films for me... I know other people disagree. For me, they really hit and make an emotional connection. Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home really feel like products off of a shelf. Um, And less like films. And I'm going to get slightly further away from the microphone just for a second. To scare the cat who's trying to eat the Christmas tree. Um, Yes. So, sorry guys, you get a little uh, taste of home when we're (laughs) 
when we're recording at the house. Um, so, Far From Home. I really enjoy it as a vacation film. I really enjoy it as a Mysterio story. It's the best, I think, spy, Spider-Man versus Mysterio has ever played out in pop culture. Uh, Mysterio works really well in comic books. Uh, in reality, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe made it make sense. Yeah. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic and charming and menacing and douchey yeah. as Quentin Beck. And I... I have to be honest, it it worked really, really well for me. He might, him and Michael Keaton are just, they're up there in the terms of villains. Even though these two aren't my favorite films, they might have my favorite villains. Yeah. And the, the tying in of all the other comic stuff, again, it's that double-edged sword of it's some of the best and some of the worst things about the movie if you were lost in spider-man homecoming oh lord help you in far from home (laughs) you've got a bunch of dead heroes they're talking about you've got the concept of what they're calling the blip yeah you've got uh You've got background characters from previous movies who are popping up as tertiary antagonists. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, a character named Nick Fury and uh, and his assistant who are acting really shady and weird. And if you have seen the other movies, they're acting weird and you don't know why until the end credits scene. Yeah. And it all adds up to just kind of a mishmash of some of the best and some of the worst parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it works really well as an epilogue to Avengers Endgame. And I'm not the first person to say this, so I want to... Tim Geddes on the kind of funny in review for Spider-Man for Far From Home made this statement and it it hit me how true it was is it functions better as an Avengers Endgame epilogue than it does as a Spider-Man sequel um, because Spider-Man Homecoming ends with Aunt May finding out that Peter is Spider-Man and he has just had his heart broken because his crush is moving away uh, Liz Allen. This movie begins no repercussions of Peter's identity uh, being revealed to his aunt. And now he is absolutely in love with MJ. Yeah. And as a sequel, it doesn't it doesn't work great. Yeah. Uh, at least to Spider-Man Homecoming. As a sequel to Avengers Endgame, works really well, actually. Um, but again, if you have not watched the five-hour epic, uh, almost six-hour epic, that is Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, you are lost. Yeah. And uh, there, as with any superhero movies, a ton of leaps in logic, like how all the drones are able to get around and carry stuff and the fact that they are firing fully automatic weapons and there are hundreds of them and Peter never once gets shot. (laughs) And it, it's really good. There is so much happening at one time in, in some of the fight scenes at the end. I, I grew a little numb to the action at the end of Far From Home and I was just I was at the place where I was before we started the movie where I was like I just want to get done with this because I know what's at the end of this movie and I just I don't enjoy Far From Home near as much as Homecoming which I don't enjoy near as much as Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 
which I don't enjoy as much as Into the Spider-Verse. And it's not saying that this is bad. These are great movies. They're fun movies. We went and saw both of them in theaters and had a blast. And I, I bought them on home video and I enjoy them. But revisiting. Yeah. And well, we went and saw them in theaters, though. We also saw them in order of the. Well, I Marvel. had done I had done a full rewatch of all the yeah. Marvel movies up to that, and in this, we're just doing Spider-Man. Yeah. So, I think if I if I redid a rewatch where I just did Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and went straight through, I think I would enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. Because I'm enjoying it as a cohesive story rather than piecemeal. But I don't... I don't think these modern superhero movies, unless it's an origin story, are meant to be viewed like that. Yeah. And that's, again, double-edged sword. Yeah. There's a ton of great content. If you've got Disney Plus and then uh, either stars or just buying the Spider-Man movies because they're owned by Sony... And not yet on Disney Plus. Um, then you're getting some banger content. It's just really good. But if you're not, man, it just a movie here, a movie there. I, I gotta be honest, I'd be lost. It's like I remember picking up a an X Men comic book in the '90s, and you got people who have these in depth relationships and. They're talking about people who died, and you're, okay, what's the big deal? You don't understand, because you don't have any of the context. Yeah. It, to bring it back to the beginning of the episode, when we were talking about West Side Story, mm-hmm. for years, for years, I've heard, I feel pretty. For yeah. years, I've heard of the, the dance fighting and the snapping as the gang walks down the street. I've heard of these cultural references for years, but no context. Yeah. Now I have the context. These Spider-Man movies are referring to events that, if you haven't recently consumed the other stuff, it just kind of leaves you feeling hollow to the relationships. And that's disappointing. As a film needs to be able to grab you from the first frame and carry you to the last frame and take you on a ride every frame in between. And I think the Spider-Man movies, for the most part, do that. But you have to do your homework. Yeah. And if you don't do your homework, you don't get to enjoy the full ride. Yeah. So, it it's a mixed bag. I enjoy these, but there's that bittersweetness to it of knowing... But it could be better if I'd, <laughs> if I'd watched all the other stuff. Yeah. So... If you were hoping for an in-depth analysis of the MCU Spider-Man films, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not recapping them, mainly because it's past my bedtime and I haven't gotten much sleep. But um, I'm going to say that enjoy these movies. I recommend you see these movies if you enjoy superhero movies. If you don't, I'd skip them. Um, but we're leading into next week's Spider-Man No Way Home, and oh, I guess we should one more thing. Um, we have to talk about the end credit scene of the return of a favorite actor. When J.K. Simmons shows oh, up yeah. as J. Jonah Jameson yeah. uh, of the DailyBugle.net. I was like, wait a minute, where are you going with And that? then on Jumbotrons Around Manhattan, outs Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Yes. So one, you get you get J.K. Simmons returning as as J. Jonah Jameson, and Peter's identity is outed. Yes. Now, I'm excited to see what happens in this next movie. Really excited. It's funny to me that when that movie released, there was no guarantee that we were going to get another MCU connected Spider-Man. I had no idea what they were going to do if they if they did. Get yeah. yeah. Uh, on that note, I'm I'm excited to see this movie even though apparently we're going to get three more of them after that. <laughs> uh, is what they've announced. We'll see. 
more Spider-Man? Uh, three more Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man uh, okay. films. I'm going to take these one at a time. Yeah. And I'm going to judge them as one film at a time. The way we have the yeah. past few. The way I enjoyed Spider-Man 1. Even though it's messed up uh, a little bit by some of the quirkiness. And Tobey Maguire is creepy. Yeah. I, I enjoy Spider-Man 2 a lot. In spite of some doofy moments in it. Yeah. Spider-Man 3 is an abomination and is better off forgotten. Uh, outside of the Sandman being a semi-sympathetic villain until you think about anything he ever does anytime. Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 are really, really good movies that didn't get a good shake and unfortunately are failed by the fact that the studio abandoned them. Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home are really, really good MCU movies and really, really good with a new version of Spider-Man, but as standalone films, they let me down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, crown the king, so far of all the Spidey movies, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is just a masterpiece <laughs> of animated filmmaking and of just Spider-Man storytelling. And all of these are individual films. You can view them collectively, but I gotta be honest. I remember, I remember in 2002, kind of a cold May morning with my little sister. We just gotten out of karate class, going to see Spider-Man at the Shady Brook Cinema, and. I remember talking with a guy in line and talking about, man, I, I can't believe X-Men came out two years ago. And he's like, yeah, but this is different. And now we've got all, we've got the Avengers now. We've got like, like C and D tier superheroes who are getting their own movies. And, and there's so much superhero content. I'm like, I don't know if I can keep up with this anymore. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoy reflecting back on this series, reflecting back even on Far From Home. The thing that I always come back to is Spider-Man is that relatable character. He's got qualities that next to none of the other superheroes, even now in, in Marvel, have. Thor's a god, and Chris Hemsworth is carved out of granite, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, you could grate cheese on those abs. <laughs> but the character of Thor is, even when he's humorous in movies like Thor Ragnarok, he's unapproachable because he's a god. Iron Man is a billionaire and super genius and unapproachable. Captain America is such a virtuous paragon who always chooses the right thing, even if it's questionable by the government's eyes, is so good and so high level in both skill, strength, and, and everything, again, he's unapproachable. Spider-Man is a kid from Queens who gets the superpowers and then still has to go to high school. Yeah. And he still is bad at girls. And he's still figuring out what it be, means to be a person. And when he grows up, figuring out what a work-life balance looks like. And that's relatable. And that's approachable. And that's interesting. And so I think even if I drop off of everything else, I'll still go back and watch a Spider-Man movie. Or six. Or eleven. Or however many Sony's going to make in the next several years. But... I I enjoyed this rewatch. I'm really good to be at the finish line. I'm uh, I'm I'm glad that as of a week from today we will have recorded an episode talking about Spider-Man No Way Home and we'll be like, "All right. Let's put this baby to bed until October of 2022 when we talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse." Uh I was so thrilled when that when that trailer dropped right after we dropped our end of the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, guys, it's been a ride. 
Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for tonight, us being all over the place. It has been a long week. It's been a long day. Um, and it's been a long series with Spider-Man. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed the movies. Uh, but I am I am so glad to be able to just go back to, with the exception of No Way Home next week, just go back to watching reruns of The Mindy Project. Yeah. I am... I am ready to not be superheroing. Yes. So, guys, thank you so much for sticking with us. We are really looking forward to talking about No Way Home next week. I hope you'll stick around and listen. We will be doing more than 15 minutes on No Way Home uh, because it'll be fresh on our minds and we are all cut up on everything Marvel at that point. But we really appreciate you sticking with us over these past several weeks as we go through Spider-Man after we did James Bond, after we did Ghostbusters and, uh, I'm looking forward to what comes next. So, uh, stick around. We'll be back next week with more favorite things. Bye.